What's up, everybody? Welcome to Call to the Bullpen. I'm David Payne with Brad Zampar and Jimmy Miller. Let's play ball. This is our special All-American All-Star Vote Show. I would celebrate the 4th of July, although uh, I'm not going to lie. I don't particularly feel like celebrating this 4th after a a recent string of of bad news, whether that be Supreme Court decisions or January 6th hearings. And I I know people will say keep politics out of baseball and and, and vice versa, but uh, the reality is that baseball is inherently political. Uh, the, the Bush family owned the Texas Rangers. Uh, MLB is the only major sports league with an antitrust exemption from the United States government of essentially allowing them to suppress minor league wages because there's no competition because they just bought up all the other leagues, Atlantic League, Frontier League, uh, American Association, all as partner leagues, which they were allowed to do because the government and politics allowed them to do that. They make MLB makes massive donations to political candidates' campaigns. Um, so uh, baseball influences politics. Politics influence baseball, as we saw with um, the All-Star Game getting moved last year. So, um, you know, a, a holiday that celebrates uh, America. Um, we're talking about our national pastime. We do have to recognize that the, the two do go hand in hand. Um, but th- that's all I got on that. Now we can get into uh, our nation pastime which uh, baseball so we'll kick it off on the all-star side um so first off fan voting's got to go right we're all in agreement on that fan voting or or some kind of uh you know talk amendment or amend it uh something like that uh where you don't have fernando tatis fifth place in shortstop voting without playing a single game this year that something is wrong with the system when that can happen uh, and deserving guys who you know fifth place isn't going to get you into the all-star game but it's going to get you to the next round right is what top five or is it top three i believe it's top five for, go on. for positions yeah it's top two top oh top two go on I'll, so either way deserving guys missing out on, on a higher spot there because a guy who hasn't played all year just gets a lot of votes or you see uh, the Blue Jays run it up where Bo Bichette was the leading vote getter at, at second base. And I don't think any of us in our, our ballots that we're going to reveal in a little bit have Bo Bichette as the top second baseman. Um, maybe maybe you got one of you guys do. I don't. Um, but you, you have an entire nation behind you voting. Uh, it's a little different than having a city behind you voting. Uh, so there's something with the fan voting system's got to go. My proposal would be to do something similar to what we do for awards to qualify for awards at the end of the year, which is, uh, I believe it's three plate appearances per game your team has played is the uh, standard there to qualify for uh, MVP, uh, Silver Slugger, any of that kind of stuff. Um, So maybe that's a kind of standard that we could put in there just to make the ballot. Another one I would suggest is just whoever has played the most games at each position for each team is the nominee from that team that goes on the ballot. So let's say uh, if CJ Abrams was the guy who played the most games at shortstop for the Padres, then he's the guy on the ballot for the Padres. You know, uh, those would be my two suggestions, but uh, do you, what do you guys have as a way to kind of counteract fan voting, uh, you know, leading to some ridiculous things like that? I just think it's crazy how you could vote up to five times in one day. I, I feel like that's a big issue because you have these people that 
well, obviously buys like Ozzy Albies is a, a finalist for second base and he only played about half the year so far and he wasn't good. And you have a guy like Jeff McNeil uh, who only missed a few games in third place and is not a finalist. Braves country's big. Uh, we, we're seeing the, the, the Blue Jays have a good fan base and we're seeing them take over. And even if their players aren't as deserving as other players from smaller market teams, they're getting it over them. Uh, and I, I do agree with like the plate appearance things or I know for the Cy Young, you have to have 162 innings pitched, one inning per each game. So maybe you do something like that for the, for the pitcher's side, but yeah, something has to change. Yeah, I think definitely the at least three point three three plate appearances appeared to be on the ballot and then that hundred and sixty ish inning range. And then on the fan side, like you have to have fans vote because that's how you connect them to the game. But at the same time, you can't have their vote meaning this much anymore when you know that teams have bigger fan bases than other teams because it affects the whole thing and it takes away money essentially from guys because they can't use that in arbitration cases and that's not what you want for the game you want the best players at the all-star game who are deserving of being in that all-star game there so i would say knocking down like i think it's currently the fan vote is 50 percent of the total ranking for the players if you knock that down even just to 25%, I'm sure that there's a lot more leadway there would be for them to get the best players there. Yeah, so several ideas there to make it not just like a complete wild west of, of fan voting is everything. Uh, you know, we saw a couple of years ago, like the Kansas City Royals where the entire American League starting team it was like the Royals and then Mike Trout. And, and that was pretty much it. So, yeah, I agree that you have to have the fans vote because the fans, you know, you want to connect them to the game. You want it to mean something, but like you do have to do things to kind of curb it and make it, uh, you know, more realistic at the end of the day there. But now let's get into our personal ballots. Um, so we'll kick this off on the National League side. We'll kick it off with the National League. We'll go down position by position, uh, starting with catcher. So my catcher that I voted for for the National League is Wilson Contreras. Yeah, I went Contreras as well. It was tough to do him and Darno, but I went Contreras. He's having a monster year. I think he's going to be dealt at the deadline. He's really going to help out the team. Yeah, I went with Contreras as well. Definitely, definitely going to end up being dealt and going to help somebody. Oh, so we're all in agreement on that one, and I, I have a feeling we're all going to be in agreement on first base as well. Uh, Goldie, Paul Goldschmidt there from the St. Louis Cardinals for me. Yeah, I went Goldie as well. He's having a monster year. Power, average, he's doing it all. Yep, it's like I went with Goldie as well. It's it's like he's back in Arizona in his mid-20s right now. Now, Jimmy kind of gave a little preview of the second base field there. Uh, uh, Jim, I'm with you. Jeff McNeil was my guy. I don't even really think that there was any doubt in my mind about that pick. I, there's a McNeil for me. Yeah, it was tough, but Jazz going down again kind of hurts his case for me. He's missed, you know, a decent amount of games this year, and Jeff's only missed a few. Uh, it does hurt him that he plays a little bit of the outfield, but yeah, I want Jeff as well. Yeah, Jeff was my pick too. It's if you break it down, it's Jazz leads the wow categories and home runs, RBI stuff like that, and then the re- the rest of the categories, it's all tr- it's all Jeff McNeil. I mean, I know that we don't use 
batting average is like the premier indicator of a hitter's success, but the, the, the batting averages aren't remotely close. There's like a, a 50 point difference in the two of them. So uh, that really was a, a big thing that set it apart for me going to third base. Um, I know Jimmy's a hater, so I'm not sure if we'll be in agreement here, but uh, Manuel Arturo Machado is my pick for third base. Uh, even with him missing, a, a, he only missed like what a week, a week and a half, two weeks there slipping on that bag. So uh, for me, it's Manny Machado at third base in the NL. Yeah, I went Manny as well. Good. To me, there's, yeah, there's no closer. Like, no one is having a pretty good year, but Manny, like, like you said, I, I don't think he missed more than 10 games. You know, he's having a great year, and I, I have him at third. Yeah, man, Manny's the choice there. Don't really have to explain it because he's been superior to Arenado his entire career. Now, at shortstop, uh, this is a, a little bit of a tougher one here. Um, I was going between Trey Turner and Dansby, um, but ultimately I went with the National League Baseball Bachelor champion and Trey Turner uh, as my shortstop pick. Yeah, I went Trey as well. Um, he's doing what he usually does, you know, hits for a good average, and we've come to expect this of him, and he's really coming through. Yeah, it was definitely a lot closer than I thought it would be initially, and then kind of got down to where I was leaning towards more Trey and then the stolen bases came up and Trey just kind of blows him away. So I'll give it, give Trey the nod there. Now moving to the outfield, we're each going to have three guys here. I think that the national league field and the outfield is, is quite a bit weaker than the American league field in the outfield. Um, especially when you factor in that Bryce Harper is not an outfielder this year, but a DH. Um, but my three outfield picks are Mookie Betts, Jock Peterson, and Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, I went with the same three as well. Yeah, I did not include Acuna simply because he's not played enough games. And I thought what Kyle Schwarber has done in Philadelphia this far, being a major power bat for them, especially with Bryce Down, I gave him the nod over Acuna. That's a good pick, too. I just figured with what Acuna has done in the time that he has been playing, um, but that that's definitely a good argument there for Schwarber. Now, for the first time, a DH in the National League. I just mentioned that Bryce Harper is a, a DH, but his dual injury situation has uh, removed him from consideration for my pick. So uh, I feel like I went merit-based on all of my other picks for the National League, and in, even all my American League ones I think are merit-based. Um, but for DH for the National League, I went strictly sentimental value Albert Pujols uh, to the all-star game as the DH for the national league on my ballot. Yeah. I, I want Bryce Harper. I, I think he played enough games in the first half to qualify. You know, it's a, it's a first half thing, you know, even if he doesn't play another game in the second half, it's, it's still a first half thing. So strictly based off that logic, I want Harper. Yeah. I, I went with Harper just because he was deserving of it, but I also went with a actual guy who's the other finalist for the position actually and that's William Contreras who's the designated hitter for the Braves right now and a little tidbit on that if if him and Contreras and his brother Wilson Contreras both start the all-star game it'll be the first time since 2003 when Brett Boone and Aaron Boone both started to end the all-star game together wow very cool um so that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, other news from this week, the last City Connect, the seventh City Connect of this year dropped San Diego Padres. Uh, I personally am a big fan of them. And now that they are all out for this year, so we've got seven from last year, seven from this year, complete slate for two years. Uh, we're going to go ahead and rank them one through 14. 
So let's kick it off. Which, which end do you guys want to start on? The, the 15 end or the one end? You want to count it down or count it up? 14. Yeah, 14, one. 14. Okay. So 14 for me is the LA Dodgers. I think it's hideous. I hate it. I hate it all around. It looks like a Canadian tuxedo. The hat is too wordy. I hate it. I went with the Cubs. I, I think that one's very ugly. The hat's ugly. The, the whole Ridleyville thing makes it just look like a Little League jersey. I'm not a fan. Yep, I went with the Dodgers, just not a good jersey. At 13, I've got the Royals one. I just think it's boring, I guess. I don't know. I don't know if I have much of a reason. I think it's a boring jersey. I went with the Washington Nationals. I think it's too it, – it pops out too much, like the flowers and stuff. I, I, I just feel like it doesn't really gel well together. You know, I feel like they tried to do too much. Yeah, I went with the Cubs. It's Wrigleyville just never made any sense to me to begin with. At 12, I've got the Diamondbacks. I, I mean, there's just not like a, a like this is Serpientes on the front. Like, I get it, like this, the Mexico connection and all the, but like, not, there's nothing explicitly Phoenix about it. Um, and, and the whole thing being hat, jersey, pants all being the same color also throws me off. So they're 12 for me. Yeah, I went with the Dodgers at 12. It's obviously hideous, as you mentioned before. Yeah, I went with the Royals. Just kind of really basic uniform right there. At 11, I've got the Cubs. I don't like that it's not their team colors. They have navy blue nowhere in their colors. They have powder blue nowhere in their colors. Um, If they went with the Wrigleyville on the chest with their team colors in some capacity, I might like it, but I don't like teams wearing colors that aren't theirs. I went with the Giants uh, at 11. I feel like there's just too much. You know, there, there's some some teams started to do too much. They didn't do enough. So they get the 11 spot for me. Yeah, I went with Diamondbacks. Just really, really weird fit with what they have all going on there. Uh, at 10, I've got the Giants. I agree with Jim. They didn't really do anything with them. There's a G on the chest that looks foggy like you're on the Golden Gate Bridge, but... That's about all they did with it. So they're, they're just plain and boring to me. Yeah, 10, I went with the uh, Royals. You know, the logo doesn't really make sense to me, I guess. Yeah, I went with Giants is at 10, too. It's really, really weird, too. I just never understood it. So nine, I've got the Brewers. I really like the jersey itself, but the hat, I can't get over how clunky and, and ugly the hat is. Um, so the hat drags them down to nine for me. Yeah, I went with the Brewers as well. Not, not, not a big fan of that. Yeah, I went with the Nationals here. It was, uh, it, it was a little toss up, seven to nine, but I decided to put the Nationals at the back end of it. Uh, eight, I've got the Rockies. Uh, they would be number one if they were purple, but like I said, the the whole not their colors thing does throw me off. Um, as the hat has way too many colors going on. I, I like the concept of the jersey, but the execution wasn't there. Eight, I went with the Red Sox. I think it's a very overrated jersey. I don't like that color. Like, I get the meaning behind it, but I just, I'm just i just not a fan of it. Yep. Here's where I went with the Brewers. I decided to slot them in down here. It's That hat is just gross. Uh, so we're getting into the top half now. Uh, so that was, that was the, the bottom tier. Now going to the top half at seven, I've got the Angels. I think, one, they're a really good-looking jersey. Two, I, I like the surfer connection. I totally get it from the, the vibes of it. Um, and, and I think Brad's original 
a complaint with it was that the hat was like the same hat that they typically wear. And I did notice that the A on the hat is not their typical A. It's a different A. So I think that um, that was something I was skeptical about, but came around on. Yeah, I went with the Angels as well. I like the colors, but I think the Angels, the font's a bit too, like, bubbly, I guess you'd say. It's a bit too big for me. So I'm not a big fan of that jersey, but definitely not the worst. Yeah, this is where the Angels slot in for me, too. It's it's an overall good jersey. It's just the hat. I just That's, that's kind of what kept me from keeping them inside the top five. It was just too close of what they had originally had. Uh, at six, that's where I put the Nationals. I, I think that it's one that really does connect well to the city. Um, but I think, again, the execution isn't quite there. If it was majority pink versus gray, uh, I would have been all in on it. But the, the gray over the pink was a weird choice to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause this real quick. Trey, Trey Mancini was just hitting the hand again. He's down in pain. Oh, huh. come on. Come on. I'm not good. Resume. So six, sorry. So six, I went uh, Rockies. You know, I like the jersey, but as you mentioned before, the hat brings it down for me. Yeah, this is where I put the Red Sox. I, f- I feel like it kind of connected really well with the marathon, but still not a top five jersey. At five, I've got the White Sox there. Uh, I think jersey-wise itself, they definitely could have been top three, but the shy on the hat doesn't go for me, brings it down. So at five, I went with the Astros. You know, I like the jersey, but to me, it just misses the top three. Yeah, I went with the White Sox here at five, too. I feel like the jersey really solidifies them as top five spot. But the hat, again, is just that's what you're seeing every time you really look at a baseball player. and It brings it down a little bit. At four, I went with the Astros there. I I don't know what else I would want from it, really. I think it's pretty perfect for them um i just think that there happen to be three that are better yeah four i went with the diamondbacks i just like the color of the jersey it's you know it's simple but it's effective so yeah i went with the diamondbacks for four four i went with the rockies i ended up really liking what they end up eventually doing and when you saw it out on the field it, it looked a little better when it was previewed so i'll put them in the top four for me at three, I went with the new one that just dropped. I went with the Padres at number three. I think that it's really got that Mexico-San Diego connection. Uh, I think it encaptures the skate culture. I think it's really cool how the, the San Diego has a, like a sunset over water in it. Um, and I, I could tell that the city of San Diego loved it from the images at the, the team store yesterday. It looked like Best Buy on Black Friday, people trying to get their hands on those jerseys. So uh, they're number three for me. Three, I went with the White Sox. It's one that... I loved at first, but it's kind of, you know, gone down for me a little bit. You know, the hat's not great. So, yeah, White Sox at three. Yeah, I went with the Padres, too. It's kind of overall very good jersey. At number two, I've got one that's that's really grown on me, although I still don't like the pinstripe top on the white pants, plain white pants, but uh, the Marlins, I think they're very Miami. I, I like that they're in their regular rotation, um, and I, I just think that they look really uh, fantastic, honestly. Yeah, I went with the Padres at two. I'm not really a fan of those neon colors, but it fits the it fits the area well. Yeah, I went I went with the Marlins. It's number two as well. I really love what they're doing there, and kind of just love that jersey overall. Now, number one, 
my number one is the Red Sox City Connect. I think that it has the deepest meaning behind it. I think it's the most connected to the city. Um, it is weird that the Red Sox wear a blue and yellow jersey, but I think that, um, and and maybe any other context, it, it would be weird. But in this context, it works with the the marathon, um, everything that happens. So deeply connected to Boston, and I, I, I the font, it's 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 all there for me. I think, um, and and I think it, it might mean the most to Boston to have that city connect jersey too. Um, so uh, all that makes them the number one for me. Yeah. At number one, I went with the uh, Marlins. I liked it from day one. I think it looks great when they're playing. It's not just fashionable. You know, it really looks good when they're on the field. Yeah. My number one was the Astros. I, I really don't think there's a flaw with that Jersey. I just feel like it really fits everything. And especially when they kind of play a night game and it's kind of domed a little bit, I feel like it just looks like a really clean Jersey out there. Before we go to the Major League Players of the Week, uh, we did a giveaway with Oh My Apparel. It's Out Hustle My Yesterday. Giveaway uh, a cinch bag with some customizable patches on it. Uh, So we're going to go ahead to our wheel and pick our winner right now. Huge congrats to our winner. We'll be in touch to figure out how to get you your prize. Uh, for now, Jimmy, take it away with the Major League Players of the Week. So AL Player of the Week, Jose Abreu with the White Sox. 11 hits, three doubles, a 579 average, and a 737 slug. NL Player of the Week, Josh Bell of the Nationals. 11 hits, five doubles, 579 batting average again, and a 1479 OPS. Neither guy had a home run this week, but they're just tearing the ball, tearing the cover off the ball. Uh, AL pitcher of the week, uh, Justin Verlander, the Astros, an eight inning, no run, six strikeout, two hit, one walk performance, and the two nothing win against the Mets at City Field on Wednesday. NL pitcher of the week is Patrick Corbin, a guy who I'm really rooting for uh, of the Nationals. He had an eight inning, one earned, 12 strikeout performance, and a three to one win against the Pirates on Tuesday. AL Rookie of the Week, back-to-back Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners. Um, it was kind of a slow week for AL rookies, but he had six hits, a 316 average, 789 slug with two home runs and four RBI. NL Rookie of the Week is a new face, Christopher Morrell of the Cubs. Nine hits, three home runs, eight RBIs, 391 average, and an 870 slug. And I just want to give an honorary shout-out for Rookie of the Week to Mark Appel there. Um, for making his major league debut after uh, how many years after being drafted and yeah number one overall what a great story that he finally made it to the big because that was like one of the first drafts that I remember watching was was him going number one there Um, so that that was really cool there Bradley who we got for our minor league players of the week triple a it's Nolan Jones he's a third baseman for the Columbus Clippers He's 24 years old. He was a 2016 second-round pick out of high school in Pennsylvania. He's their seventh-ranked prospect now, and he is a former top 100 prospect as early as last year. Really struggled in AAA last year as a 23-year-old, but he kind of came back really strong starting in early June this year, and he uh, went 11 for 23 
doubled once, tripled once, homered three times, drove in 13, had a thousand slug, and had a 1539 OPS. On the double A level, it's Hudson Haskins of the Bowie Bay Sox. You can't call this a bias podcast because this is the second time that an Oriole has made the MILB player of the week since week one. So he he wins it this year or this week. He's 23 years old. He was their 2020 second round pick uh, out of Tulane. He's their 15th ranked prospect in the system. He's kind of been getting better every month and he's starting to heat up as the summer summer rolls in. This past week, he was nine for 21, doubled five times, homered three times, drove in seven. He had a 1,052, OP, 1,052 slug and a 1,516 OPS. On the high A level, it was Nico Cavadas. He's a first baseman for the Greenville Drive. He was recently promoted to high A, and this was his first week in high A, and he just demolished baseballs all week. He was nine for 19, doubled twice, homered four times, drove in nine, had a 12-11 slug, and his OPS was a 17-94. And on the low A level, it was Hunter Goodman. He's a catcher for the Fresno Grizzlies. He's 22 years old. It was a 2021 fourth-round pick out of Memphis, and he is the 20th-ranked prospect in the Rocky system. He The most, most significant question coming out of college for him was his bat, and in 70 games this year, he has slashed 295, 368, and 598 in 70 games. This past week, he was 10 for 20, doubled three times, homer three times, drove in eight, and his slugging was an 1,100, while his OPS was a 1,700. Now, right before recording, Brad and I were talking about, uh, we're both doing a Orioles franchise on MLB The Show, and uh Nico Cavadas is actually in my system right now. He, he I acquired him in a trade. He is uh, my triple A first baseman in that franchise right now. Um, and, and I just want to jump in here with something unrelated that I'm seeing on, on Twitter right now from Buster only. And this is really interesting. And it's that Jacob deGrom uh, said that he was planning to opt out of his Mets contract after this year. Right. And Buster only is tweeting that if he follows through on that, the perception in the industry is that the Braves are the favorite to land him. And I don't know how we're, we're making this statement in June of the year before or what could you know, lead to this, but that's a really interesting development there that A, he, it seems like he still intends to opt out after injury and B, that there's already a favorite to land him. I don't know what is going on there, but that seems a little shady to me, a little like something that shouldn't be being said in June of the year before. Uh, I just wanted to point that out. Did Jimmy, any thoughts on that? I mean, let's face it. If he gets in the Hall of Fame, he'll be in as a Met at this point. Um, if he moves on, whatever, you know, he, he's given us his best years. Uh, yeah, I hope he comes back. He, even if he opts out, I think Cohen has deep enough pockets to bring him back. but. Yeah, not not really something too concerned about right now. I think he opts out simply because he knows Cohen's going to give him the last best dollar deal, and and if he comes back with a great offer from another team, Cohen's going to match it by ten million dollars. I just I just don't see how he doesn't not end up being a Met for his entire career. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I just thought that that was a really interesting thing to be saying on July second of of the year before he opts out uh, but uh, who were our uh, you know Angel Hernandez uh, not our worst umpire of the week 
this week, right? He, he didn't do anything completely abysmal and embarrass us. So I guess I'll apologize for, for what I said last week when you made him the best. Uh, but who do we got this week? Yeah, he actually did the game yesterday, and he, he was just about above league average. So he's, he's been on a little bit of a good run. But our best best umpire this week was Alex Tossie. He did the game Thursday in Philadelphia with them winning 14 to, three, 14 to 4. But him, him across the board, he was 99%, 97%, 99%, 100%. That's extremely tough to do. He missed one call the entire day. That's extremely hard to do. One of 99 called balls were called true, were called true strikes. So that's really unheard of. And his overall factor for the day was an eighth point oh eight runs per game. It's nothing. And then on the worst umpire side, it was actually Ron Kuplo. He did the game uh, Thursday as well in Pittsburgh with the Brewers in town. Pirates ended up winning 8-7. But across the board, he was abysmal. The overall factor for the day was only a fifth of a run. But he was down at 90% overall. His consistency was down at 90. His cold balls was 100%. But his cold strike accuracy was 66%. And that's just not going to get it done today. Now we're going to go to Owen with our top five plays from the last week. Tell me who really wanted everything that they wow, drive to right. Dostrzemski's got it! He snow coned it for out number two. Boy, that ball took off. Diving backhand to stop by Clements on the outfield grass throws. Got him at first. Fine play by Cody Clements. Laid out to the left. Chop left side. Arnado. Bare hands. Fires. Got him. Oh, what a play. Nolan Arnado. Emerging. And now this one. The bare hand. What one? With a 376 team on average in the race. Crazy. Jonathan Davis headlong into the fence. They're going to say he caught the baseball. Jonathan Davis is down. Shout out to Owen for that. Now we're going to Cooper with this week's MLB colorized photo of the week. Welcome back to Photo of the Week. This week's photo is of Richie Ashburn. Ashburn played 15 years in the league, including 12 years with the Phillies, two with the Cubs, and a final season with the Mets. Over his career, he compiled an impressive 64.2 war, 2,574 hits, 29 home runs, and a 308 lifetime batting average. His smooth center field patrol work also led him to a 983 lifetime fielding percentage. During this time, he collected six all-star selections, two batting titles, and a Hall of Fame induction. Ashburn is and will be remembered as one of the all-time Philly greats. Thanks and back to the guys. Thanks to Cooper for that lesson in baseball history. Now we're going to our power and sour rankings, which are presented by Fit and Faded. Fit and Faded promotes cannabis as a dietary supplement for fitness enthusiasts. Head to fit-faded.com and use code bullpen for 15% off your order. Uh, we also have our, our collab t-shirt there. Um, so check that out. Fit and Faded call to the bullpen t-shirt. Uh, John Hunter from the, the Frozen Rope podcast won it when we did our giveaway. Um, so look out for more giveaways in the future and also go get yourself one of those shirts for 15% off. Uh, going to the power rankings now uh, on the 
uh, a, a little your your Mets were confident that the Mets were going to be hanging around that one spot for or two spot for a little while, and that is uh, not the case this week. We get a little switch up. Number five, we got the Padres. Number four, the Dodgers. Number three is the New York Mets. Number two, the Houston Astros jumped, and I think that that series where they they played each other had a, a big factor in that. You know, it's it's tough to argue uh, when you go head to head. Um, and, and that's what we've seen there. We're seeing a Dodgers Padres head to head right now. We're seeing, we saw the, the Astros and Yankees go head to head. So we, we've had all those teams playing each other recently. So it kind of makes our votes there for the, the top five a little bit easier. Um, and holding on to the number one spot is the New York Yankees. Uh, if you want to see the sour rankings and the, what, the 10 through 10 through six of the power rankings, uh, you can head to at CTBP pod on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok's the other one. Um, shoot us a follow there. Shoot me a follow at the David Payne at Brad Zampar at Jimmy underscore Miller four. Uh, and that wraps it up for the all American all-star vote show. That is a whole mouthful there, but I'm glad I was able to remember it at the end here. Uh, we'll see you all next week with another episode.